Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Thank you. All right, my uh, kids are going to the Wonderland Kids Camp. It's going to be so fun. Um, And that is for kids going into first grade through fifth. So, well, that's okay. I got you. It's fine. Uh, Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Emily Snyder, and I am on the preaching team here at the Vineyard. Uh, I'm looking around, and it is a full house. How how great is that? Um, I just want to take a moment really quickly before we jump in to say welcome we're glad you're here. Uh, if, if the last couple years have taught us anything or if have, have taught me anything, uh, it is that being able to be together on a Sunday morning is such a joy. It's such a joy. Uh, so I've been trying not to, you know, take it for granted. Uh, okay, we are in uh, a series, week three of a series called God in the Center. So if you have not been here the last couple weeks, uh, here's the main idea. Like, here's what we're really like digging into and getting at. Uh, just like a house or any type of structure has a foundation that ultimately holds it up and keeps it from like crumbling on down into itself, uh, we as humans also have foundations. And the challenge for us as not just humans, but Jesus followers is for our foundation to be rooted and centered in God and in the ways of the kingdom. Uh, And this doesn't happen overnight. Uh, For those of you who have been following the Lord for an extended period of time, think back to your first like initial yes. Did God automatically just become and stay the center of your life? Hi, here's some nervous chuckles. (laughs) No, uh, this is a long, lifelong pursuit. Uh, I made my first yes to following Jesus when I was nine years old uh, in my little Baptist church in Indiana. And as I look back on my life as a kid, going up through youth group, going into college and then into young adulthood, I am in the sunset years of my young adulthood. I just want you all to know that. And here's how you know, uh, I briefly forgot how old I was. And this happened this week, uh, thought I was indeed younger than I was. So I had to physically do the math on my calculator. Then I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm adding years to my life already. (laughs) Um, But as I look back through the years, I can vividly recall seasons where I could say, yes, like during that time, man, like I felt so centered and God really was like just the center of my life. And I can just as much look at seasons of my life and say, well, God was not so much the center in that time. Uh, I used to be a journaler. How many journalers do we have in the room? Do we have former journalers? I feel like once a journaler, always a journaler. I'm going to see how many times I can say journaler because it's an awkward word. Uh, Well, I used to keep journals a lot. And the problem with that is when you get to the end of one, like, what do you do with it, right? My inclination is to throw it away. 
but I hear, you know, the gasps of the journaling community. Like, oh, keep it. Um, but I can even, I have this like collection of journals where I can look at, you know, one and say, there's good stuff in there. And I can look at others and say, we are not reading that one <laughs> ever again. <laughs> and it's not so much that it was times in my life where like everything was good and those are the good journals and the times in my life where everything was bad and those are the bad journals. They actually directly correlate to times in my life when uh, I was centered fully and completely on God, regardless of what else was happening. So here's where I'd like for us to settle in this morning, okay? You can have an amazing prayer life, like we talked about last week. You can get the perfect attendance award for, we have that award, did you know? I'm kidding. (laughs) For coming to church. Um, You can read your Bible. You can highlight the verses you like. You could even memorize them, okay? Uh, You can cultivate a vibrant, wonderful, inward-centered spiritual life. But I want you to realize that we don't spend our days inwardly focused, or we shouldn't, right? We are outside of ourselves most of the time. And living a life centered on God directly affects the ways that we meet, encounter, and engage with the world around us. And just to be even more clear, I'm talking about Walmart, all right? I'm talking about Kroger. I'm talking about the coffee shop. I'm talking about work and school and the bank. Nowhere else in town tests my devotion to Jesus like walking into a bank. I don't know why. I hate it so much. My husband knows this. The physical act of walking into a bank. And it's not just like a certain bank. It's all the banks. I just don't like it. Okay, but even there, right? uh, We are outside of ourselves interacting with the world around us. And let's also acknowledge this, okay? The world has an expectation of how you will meet them. So to break it down even further, once people learn that you are a Jesus follower, they will expect certain things from you. And the hard part is everybody will expect different things from you based on their past experiences with other Christians in the church. Yeah, okay. I was gonna keep going and I'm not. (laughs) Um, And to make it even more complicated, those expectations that the people have probably aren't even ways that Jesus would, would meet them, right? So it's, it's kind of a whirlwind. Uh, here's an example. I have some lifelong friends who at one time were walking right alongside me uh, in the faith, but uh, have since, over the years, decided they're done with God, or they're done with church. They're done with God and church. Uh, and I've had, I think, two, uh, I think of two conversations in particular where these friends have just decided that since they're done with God and church, that I would probably be done with them. Has anybody experienced this? It's, it's, it's so hard, right? But that was the expectation. Uh, another example. Take, take your pick of any hot-button political issue. I'm not going to name them. 
We all know what they are. Nervous chuckles. Uh, Other believers are going to expect you to agree with them, regardless of how extreme or radicalized their viewpoint has become. And non-believers are going to expect you to oppose them in the most extreme and radicalized way they have been opposed by other Christians in the church. And here at the Vineyard, we're all about walking that radical middle line, which in the short term, just a little secret, will make both sides mad at you. Yeah, it's going to seem like a lose-lose. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 3. Um, I have re- recently enough preached out of Acts chapter 3 that I remembered it. And then I looked it up in my Google Drive and I was like, ah, Lord, somewhere else, you know. Uh, I've actually, you know, if, if you guys know me, I don't reread books. I don't rewatch movies. I raise like, what? So why would I re-preach a sermon? Well, that was my first initial thought. But of course, like, you know, scripture is just so beautiful in that, you know, there's more than one thing there for us, right? But I actually did try. I was like, okay, God, there, there's the whole extent of like the entire Bible. Could you give me, same, same concept, something different. Uh, but I kept coming back to this story in Acts chapter three, when Peter and John are walking into the temple and they have an encounter with a man who was lame from birth. Uh, and I think the reason I kept coming back to it is it is such a beautiful example of what living a life with God at the center looks like. So I'm going to recap a little bit. We need some exposition. Uh, Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two has come down. And this is just an aside. Notice, uh, go back and read Acts eh, one and two this week. Um, The Holy Spirit came to the believers in the early church while they were doing what Jesus told them to do in order to receive the Holy Spirit. And what did he tell them to do? He told them to wait. What is the heart posture of someone who receives from the Holy Spirit? They're waiting and they're expectant, which we're gonna talk about here in a minute. All right, let's pull up Acts 3. We're gonna read 1 through 11. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon, I love this detail, to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. We should start doing one of those. Uh, As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. This guy had never walked in his life. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple 
with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar that they had so often seen at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Wouldn't we be too? Of course. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. What a good story. Uh, The first thing that jumps out to me in this passage is Peter's response. Uh, This is the response of someone with God at the center of their life. He said, I don't have money, but I'll give you what I do have. Peter was centered enough to admit his lack. And how countercultural is that for us today to say, I have no money. Uh, And by saying that, what you're really saying is, I have no power. I have no influence, right? Uh, But then on the flip side of that, he didn't leave it there. He knew the riches that he had in Christ through the Holy Spirit. He was aware of it. You can have riches and not know it. You can have something extremely valuable in your possession and have no idea. I wish I had a story like that, you know, uh, where like, oh yeah, my great grandpa's whatever and he gave it to me and it's now worth a million dollars and it's amazing and I had no idea. I don't have a personal story like that. If you do, please come find me after the service. I'd love to hear it. Um, But there's been two really great stories about this in the news recently. So can we pull up the first picture? Oh, look at this guy. (laughs) So a lady is at Goodwill. She finds this bust. It's $34.99. That's how much she pays for it. She lugs it out to her car. It weighs 52 pounds. She buckles him in. That's my <laughs> She buckles him in to the car, takes him home. This was in 2018, okay? And this story broke in 2022, so four years ago. Um, she takes him home, and she's kind of like, this seems... Like, this did not come from Pottery Barn. I don't, it seems real, you know? So she starts doing research over the course of those four years, and here's what she discovers. This is an ancient Roman sculpture. Sculpture. It's 2,000 years old. Read for that. It's Bible times old, okay? It's 2,000 years old. It was purchased by a Bavarian king in the early 19th century for display in what is now Germany... And it was looted at the end of World War II. Yes. So 70 years later, it ends up at a Goodwill in Texas. And she pays $34.99 for it. Here's the best. Oh, oh, hang on. I wrote this in my notes because it's so funny to me. Uh, Imagine being that person. You see this news story and you're like, that was mine. (laughs) I took that to Goodwill. That's funny, but the best part about this story is this, this bust kind of became a fixture in her and her husband's home, and they named him Dennis <laughs> after a character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because he looks aloof. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's pull up the next picture. Goodbye, Dennis. Hello, Vincent. 
I don't know if anybody saw this story. This actually just came out this week. So there was a museum in Scotland uh, preparing for an exhibit on Impressionism. So of course, they're going to display some Van Goghs. And I guess as you do, they sent uh, one of the display paintings through an x-ray machine and they discovered on the back of it, layered under glue and cardboard, a never before seen self-portrait of Vincent. They had no idea. This painting is 100 years old. It's been on display for decades. They had no clue. Now, Van Gogh was actually known for when times got tight, which for him was basically always. Uh, he would use both sides of the canvas, uh, but amazing. Look at that. His ear is intact. <laughs> it was his other ear. It's fine. So the question for us this morning is what is our awareness level? Are we bebopping around with Dennis in our dining room? <laughs> or like Peter, are we aware of the riches that we have in Christ? And not only that, uh, does it influence our everyday life? Uh, Dennis level awareness is not the mark of a life with God at the center. Now, somebody is going to have zoned out and wake up and be like, she is really ripping on this Dennis guy. What is going on? He's not here. It's fine. Uh, and just to tie in this Van Gogh painting too, if I discover riches in one painting and I have others, I'm running every single thing through that x-ray machine. If you have, in your walk with the Lord, discovered some riches, I promise you there's more. I promise you there's more. Our life with God was meant to be abundant. So they, you know, once in a lifetime thing, finding an ancient Roman statue or, you know, a self-portrait of Vincent himself. That's almost in a lifetime thing. But the Holy Spirit carries us through for more than a lifetime. All right, the second thing that jumps out to me about this passage is the surprise of it all. Every single person in this story has expectations, okay? So uh, it made mention that people would bring this man every day to the temple to beg. Uh, they probably thought they were doing their good deed for the day, didn't they? And it sounds a lot like our American pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. I'll get you to the temple, but you've got to do the rest. Uh, the man himself, he had expectations, right? He expected that if someone was religious enough to go to the three o'clock prayer service, that they were religious enough to give alms to the poor, right? And Peter also had expectations. And it was the expectation that the Holy Spirit was with him, guiding him, and would show up. And also, why wouldn't he have expected this? He saw Jesus do this for years. He saw people heal people he saw Jesus heal people for years. Of course he expected it. Uh, I would love to know 
in your daily life, in my daily life, which one of these three parties we most identify with? And it's kind of a tough question to ask, so I'm sorry. Uh, It's also a tough question to answer. Uh, Maybe you think it's enough to carry someone to the temple so they can beg for change. And while that doesn't harm anyone, uh, how is it any different from the people who passed on the other side of the road in the Good Samaritan story? Neither action is helpful if what the person actually needs is a touch from God. Uh, And you as a believer have the power of the Holy Spirit to meet that and do nothing. That is a really hard word to give. And I'm going to tell you guys, it was a hard word to receive from the Lord this week. Uh, He spoke this to me first before letting me speak it out to you. I, I want to do better, you know. Uh, Maybe you need healing. Maybe you are the one in need of a touch from the Lord. Uh, But you've just settled for getting by. And I want to say, first of all, I get it. Like, sometimes just getting by is hard enough. We live in one of the easiest seasons in history and one of the hardest. So if I'm hungry, I can take out my magic little pocket computer and tap, 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 and get a pizza right at my front door in like 15 to 25 minutes. Uh, But I've had a lot of conversations with people lately, and I've also just been having conversations like in my head lately. Life is kind of smacking a lot of people in the face right now. And not just here in this church, but like in the country, maybe like the whole world. (laughs) So there's no point in pretending uh, that this is just the way life is and it's fine. There's no point in pretending or marketing to yourself that you're okay to be a beggar person, right? Who did Jesus come for? The sick and the people who need him. So admitting that we need a touch from the Lord is really just admitting that we want God right at the center of our lives. I want to strive uh, for the type of expectation that Peter had, though, right? Uh, This past week, I went with uh, the church staff to the regional conference in, you ready for this? Pigeon Forge. (laughs) On the Magnificent Mile in Pigeon Forge. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But on the first night we were there, we heard from Jay Pathak. He is the national director of Vineyard USA, and he said something. Well, like for a while, he was like saying stuff, and it was like very encouraging, and I could feel like the whole room was like, yes, like receive it, receive it. But then he said something that made, uh, it it like sucked the wind right out of the room. Uh, And here's what he said. Here at the Vineyard, if you guys don't know, if you've not been to Vineyard 101, which is fine, we talk a lot about the already and the not yet right? So the power of the kingdom is already here, but not yet to its fullest extent. And Jay said, you know, he's seeing a lot in in vineyard churches right now uh, where we lean really heavy into the not yet part and not so much on the already part. And again, the room was just like, he said that. Um, But it also felt kind of freeing to have somebody admit it uh, and, and to just, you know, move forward. 
So the encounter with Peter and John and the man who had been lame from birth was an already moment, not a not yet moment. And I would love to strive more for that. Okay, last, I want us to focus on like the end result of all of this. So the man asks for money. Peter gives him something better. Can we pull up verse seven? Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened because your feet can be healed. But if you've never walked, how are you going to walk? Right? So strengthened. And then verse eight, he jumped up, stood on his feet and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. That part just gives me a big lump in my throat. He went into the temple with Peter and John because here's the thing. The heart of the Lord is always, always, always to bring people in. The heart of the Lord is always, always, always to bring people to family. And when God is at the center of our lives, that becomes our heart as well. And what this looks like in everyday life, it takes us even beyond praying for people. It takes us beyond giving money or giving somebody like a you know, prophetic word. Here's what I mean. There's absolutely nothing wrong with those three things I just mentioned. In fact, we should be doing those things. But our lives are meant, like it or not, to be intertwined. There's something to be said for putting down roots, uh, getting to know your neighbors, forgiving your enemies here in this community, reconciling, eating dinner together, watching boring soccer games that your children play, being genuinely kind to people at the bank. There is something to be said for all of this. The relationships uh, that the Lord has given us out in this community and here within these walls aren't happenstance. They are a gift. They are a gift. And they are here for us to tend to, to care for, and to cultivate. Why? Because it's the heart of the Lord to see people brought in to the family. And let's not forget the ways that we ourselves have been tended to, cared for, and cultivated by others, right? There's value in narrowing your scope. You can reach a million people on Instagram, but do you know your next door neighbor's name? Now, I just moved into my house, so I have an excuse, but you all don't. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Peter didn't just see, engage, and leave. He helped the man up and took him into the temple. Read for that. Into the presence of God with him. And that's the call for us. And here's the best part. The whole community noticed. 
We know who the people are in our community who are needy. We know who they are. Uh, And when they're helped, when their life changes in like a really radical way, people notice. People will notice. All right, I'm gonna have the band come back up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.